Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5.30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. How do you get this special counsel's case against former President Donald Trump out? That's the question. Former Deputy Energy Secretary Matt Briette warned Fauci in 2019 that the Chinese military could in fact be using the coronavirus that they're making at the WIV. For military purposes. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. It's been a very uh, explosive show today with revelations that, A, number one, the Biden administration is tracking all Americans who were in the Capitol region on January 6, 2021, whether or not you were at the United States Capitol building or not. They are actively tracking you and you are on a terror, domestic violent extremist watch list. I don't think they call it a terror watch list anymore. And the other revelation is that in 2019, the Deputy Secretary of Energy, Dan Briette, great guy who's been on the show several times, warned Fauci's office, Asanto Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor. You always have to say that by law, obviously, that the Chinese Wuhan Institute of Virology that we were paying for all of this research into this pandemic that they were going to, they were, the military was going to get their hands on. So, a lot to chat about today with my friend, Dr. Victoria Coates. She was at the, let's do it. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce the former Deputy National Security Advisor and the Vice President of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Victoria Coates. <laughs> that was an excellent walk-up, We and nailed I, it. Yeah, that was absolutely golden work by Matt. But I have, actually, speaking of Matt, I have to tell you, you actually said Matt Brea in your lead-in before you said Dan Brea. Oh yeah, and I bet <laughs> I would like to. I would like to bet I am the only person who texts with both of them. <laughs> and I w- impressed Secretary Breyer when I was working for him because I, I I immediately knew how to spell his last name and how to pronounce it. 
Well, that's the thing. And because they, I've known Matt Brandt for a million years. <laughs> and and that's the thing. It's not a common last name. So And yet no. both of them have been on this show multiple times. And they're not related, they, right? They are not related. Uh, and they don't look even remotely alike. Uh, but they're both great patriots, and it's an honor to know them. Well, let's start there. I, uh, you were working with uh, Deputy Energy Secretary D- Dan Briette back in 2019 when they warned Fauci's office. This Vanity Fair story about this, and, the, and I don't know if you've had a chance to read it. I don't want to catch you off guard here, but they said here that Department of Energy officials issued their most specific warning in mid-2019, just months before the pandemic began. Deputy Energy Secretary Dan Briette alerted a top Fauci advisor that the coronavirus research the U.S. was helping to fund at the WIV risk being misappropriated for military purposes. Based on classified threat assessments and concerns raised by DOE scientists, Briette urged NIAID, it's Fauci's group, to use caution in its collaborations with Chinese government scientists. His warning should have served as a red flag for any research the agency was conducting with China, say two sources with knowledge of the exchange. Were you there for all that? No, actually, I was still on the National Security Council staff at that point, but was close to both then Secretary Perry and to then Deputy Secretary Burriette. I, I moved over uh, in February of 2020 after Perry had retired and Burriette had become secretary. But, you know, that that does not surprise me in the least. Uh, we saw this go on in the year I was at Energy where, you know, they, the the position of many of the career scientists was that we had to continue this collaboration. It was science. It was above politics. It was above even national concerns. This was about humanity. And, you know, we could see China exploiting this. And especially as, you know, COVID worsened throughout 2020 and, you know, China started being so incredibly evasive about what they had done and how they had tried to cover it up. You know, we're still just getting this out. And actually, the Vanity Fair article was first uh, sent to me over the weekend uh, by by our, our senior fellow here uh, at, at Heritage, who's chairing the um, chairing the our bipartisan commission to get to the origins of the of the Wuhan virus, specifically in China. We're hopefully going to do uh, a second a second commission on what happened here in the United States. And I think the one will build on the other. I don't think we're going to be able to make that one bipartisan, but Aaron Walsh, who is this, this senior fellow uh, sent me, sent me this, that article, you know, just amazed at what is coming out. And so they'll feed that into the commission material and we should have that report for you in January. And that should be pretty explosive. I would imagine so. I mean, really, I remember Senator Tom Cotton in the earliest days of COVID in 2020 saying that he he thought this could be a, a Chinese mm-hmm. bioweapon. I've always had my suspicions about that as well. Well, and Senator Cotton was called a bigot and, and yes, uh, you know, anti-China for that reason. And there were going to be pogroms against Chinese American citizens in Arkansas because he was giving tacit permission for it. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know, they have to be held accountable for what they did. Yeah, they do. And not only that, but we have to hold American scientists and bureaucrats accountable for paying for all of this. Because as I I read this story in Vanity Fair and I read this article and there are so many people who were warning about this lab and how the people there who work there didn't know what the hell they were doing. They had it was not safe. And we the warnings were all there. And yet we still paid for it. That is just absolutely infuriating. And this is what makes people so upset. 
this was all going on, but this gain-of-function research gravy train where they pay for the, the virus to be created and then they pay for the treatment to be created and then everybody gets rich and there's so much money behind all this and so much grant funding and everything else that they all circled the wagons to cover this up and say that anybody who said there was a lab leak of COVID was a bigot, was anti-China, was racist and soaking the racist fears. However, if you said somebody ate an undercooked bat burger at a wet market, that was apparently not racist. You know, that the filthy eating habits of the Chinese people, you could say that that's not racist. But if you said this virus may have leaked out of a lab, that was racist. I never understood that, except obviously this was to cover up for what was going on. And the CIA was involved in this cover up. I mean, Dr. Victoria Coates, help us understand here why the United States of America was so heavily invested in funding this laboratory. It's it's this it, it, precisely what you were just talking about. It's the money train. So much, uh, so many hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars of taxpayer money is being funneled into this kind of research. And I actually call it the Starfleet Academy fallacy, which is that you know this impulse was driven by the hope that on the part of the United States that. You know, if we led on scientific exploration, that our best practices would become the best practices of, of less good actors, that we would raise up humanity, uh, you know, the way Star Fleet Academy did in the Star Trek context. But it turns out in real life, when you're not James Kirk, that doesn't actually happen. And instead, this money, you know, is, is just being sloshed around these research labs. It becomes addictive. And you know, the key thing becomes to perpetuate the grants, not to actually further the science. And if something is going wrong, you're, boy, are you going to turn a blind eye to that? And I would just remind everybody, not only were we funding that, that research through, you know, 2020 timeframe, we were funneling it until last July, until finally it got cut off because even, uh, even our scientists finally said, you know, this, their, their practices are so awful, we can't continue this. But we did it for, you know, two and a half years after COVID. So, you know, this, this, is, this is a terrible system. I think Congress has to look at it, you know, with a very bright light. And, you know, that's not going to solve all, all our fiscal woes to cut this off. But it could certainly start, start the process. And I think we can focus that money here at home on research that we do to benefit the lives of our citizens. Do you think, I mean, there's this story now about this new pneumonia that's sweeping through China and they're telling everybody to wear masks again and do all these other things. I mean, it, it does It does always seem curious that these viruses seem to originate there, does it not? Yeah, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? You know, it's, it's, it's like we're in, you know, December 2020 all over again. Right. And suddenly this is happening in China. And I'm just waiting for President Biden to impose a travel ban and see what he has to say uh, <laughs> about that. Because, you know, he was so critical of, of President Trump, who was just trying to take a practical common sense step. I wish he'd done a lot sooner and a lot more draconianly. But it was it was so difficult at the time to be you know perpetually bombarded with with accusations of racism. But this is this is what. You know, this is what the left does in order to keep, you know, to keep its control of this fund of funding of this research. The Chinese government, according to the article, the Chinese government encourages intermingling with a policy called military civil fusion, which aims to harness civilian scientific innovation to advance military goals. Knowing that why the United States of America would would allow any of our research 
to go anywhere near China. It makes absolutely no sense because China views everything there as they own it and they'll use it for military purposes. Dr. Victoria Coates, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole sort of modus operandi of the Chinese Communist Party is to to weaponize things that the United States considers to be sort of sacred. So you take energy. Uh, we have been great defenders of the free flow of energy around the world, that this isn't something we want to use as a weapon or a bludgeon. Well, they want to, and they want to, you know, get us hooked on their renewable products and, you know, control our our energy supplies. And they're certainly not going to do that out of the goodness of their hearts or with our best interests in mind. And so I think they're weaponizing space along the same lines. You know, we think the International Space Station is such a wonderful place where we can collaborate with our Chinese and Russian friends and, again, advance the interests of humanity. That's not what they're doing, uh, either of them, with the International Space Station, nor have they historically. So, so all of this is deeply dangerous. We need to establish what Chinese nationals have access to our national labs. We need to cut that off. Uh, I am sorry if, if some decent scientists get cut off up in this, uh, but the, the danger is so severe. I think we have to figure out, you know, if you are not an American citizen, you have to have an awfully good reason to have access to an American American national lab. And, you know, we might pick five eyes countries, for example, and, and allow them in, but we should be extremely cautious about others. Yeah, well said. Absolutely well said. Dr. Victoria Coates is with me. She was at the game yesterday, as a matter of fact. Did you wear your Kelly Green? <laughs> I did. I had an A.J. Brown, Kelly Green, and I would be wearing it at the Heritage Foundation today, but it's still wet. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's right. It poured yesterday during the game. That was a that nail biter. I mean, I, I, that game was insane. I, I had so much agita watching that thing. No, it, it was it was amazing. Just an incredible performance by Jalen. Uh, his his resilience under just terrible circumstances, and, and quite frankly, the team was not at its sharpest. And he was able, you know, to to really take them on his shoulders. And then, of course, Jake Elliott's extraordinary uh, field goal. I'm hopeful because they didn't have any in stock last night that there will be Jake Elliott, Kelly Green jerseys available. If anybody from the Phillies is listening, or from the Eagles rather, is listening, uh, I think you would find a market for those after that that performance. So it certainly gives us all a lot of hope going forward. Jake Elliott continues to just always be there for us. The guy, when when we need him, I mean, he steps up, no pun intended, and he just gets it done. (laughs) He gets it done. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you, as the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation, to give us an over... Well, two things I want to say. Number one is your, uh, I think, was brilliant, what you said regarding China, and that Joe Biden... United States of America at this point is more concerned about getting China to agree to a climate accord accord than China helping Iran, China helping Russia and all of these other dastardly deeds you mentioned about China. So I just want to let you know, I think that was a brilliant point and observation you made. I have been using that and giving you proper credit for it. But I would be remiss if I did not ask you about the Middle East and what the latest is Mm -hmm. going on there. Well, thank you for the credit. Uh, but I think I think it's a broader point everyone needs to understand that China is acting as a banker here, and that there is no way Iran does what it does uh, with Hamas in southern Israel without China's money. And so ultimately, this goes back to Beijing. But what we're seeing right now play out in, in very uh, agonizing slow motion is the release of some of the 200 plus hostages 
that Hamas has taken now for five weeks. And we are seeing the little babies. We're seeing the elderly in ill health. Uh, we're it, it, it's we're seeing the families who are having to wait to see if they're they're going to kind of win this grim lottery uh, day after day. And we're seeing Hamas just exact the worst psychological torture they can against the Israelis. And they're Americans. We've had the one little American girl, Avigail, uh, come out uh, yesterday. I mean, thank God. But there are more Americans that are still there. I think the president should have basically said to Hamas, you know, here's here's the deal. I'm going to sit I'm going to be here helping Israel pound you and kill you until you let all the hostages out. Not let's come to some kind of agreement about what pauses, what rewards you're going to be given for doing this horrific act of terrorism. And so unfortunately, I think we've pressured the Israelis into, you know, accepting that the only way they can get the hostages out, which means the only way they can get back to destroying Hamas is to agree to these kinds, kinds of, uh, appeasement against Hamas. So my concern is this This is just going to de- delay the inevitable. I'm, I'm glad when we get people out. And, you know, certainly this is this is an appalling crime by Hamas. But at the same time, I'm, I'm worried that that the way this is being this, this is being carried out is, is making the problem worse. So we'll, we'll watch the one other thing I'd just say quickly to track is we had a situation overnight last night in which an American vessel, the USS Mason, uh, helped an Israeli vessel on, in the Gulf of Aden off of the coast of Yemen, which had been boarded by Houthi pirates. Uh, and the Americans were able to take it over, capture the ha- pirates, but then the Houthi lobbed some ballistic missiles at the Mason. And, you know, this situation appears to be resolved. But this is why this is so deeply, deeply dangerous, is the presence of Iran. The Iranians are giving the Houthi these capabilities, are egging them on to join the attacks on Israel and the United States. And that's the bigger problem here. And the Biden administration can't even say the word Iran. They can't even say the other word for the pirates. They call them the Hoochie Coochie pirates. So they have no (laughs) clue when it comes to this stuff. they took them off the terrorist list. No, that's good. That's a big. That's a big upgrade. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, this is going on. We're about to give Ukraine more money because the Democrats uh, in the White House are insisting that Ukraine has to get more money. They're they're certainly going to try. And we published some new p- polling in the Daily Signal today, which I can pass along to you guys. Which asked one of the most revealing questions was for Americans: Could you would you fund Ukraine as a priority, Israel as a priority, or both the same? And I think something like 12% picked Ukraine. Hmm. And most Americans wanted to do Israel or both equally. What the president's asking for right now is $60 billion for Ukraine and $9 billion additional in humanitarian and $14 billion for Israel. That's not even remotely close. So it is not in line with what the American people think. And until he comes to the table, explains what this money is for, and explains how he is going to rack and stack this with our obligations to Israel, he's going to have a real hard time with the Congress on Ukraine. Good. I hope they give him a hard time on it, because I, I'm, I'm nervous they're going to put some weak border deal in to try to appease or give the Republicans to be able to save face. And it will do nothing. It'll have no teeth. And yet they'll turn around and say, well, we, we did it for the border. Didn't want to pass the Ukraine funding, but we did it for the border. That's my concern at this point. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, that is entirely valid, and we have to be extremely vigilant against that. Always a pleasure, my friend. Dr. Victoria Coates, the one and only. Now, do we take her out with her intro music, or is that only for the walk-on? 
Did you walk on music and walk off, or? I think that's up oh, that's to Dr. Coates. Uh, I say we do it. Let's, yeah. let's do the walk-off music for Dr. Victoria Coates. She's earned it today. <laughs> 20 minutes of interview. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. The 5 o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelGameMade.com. All right. So as we continue along here, I just wanted to mention, um, and you know, this story about Chinese biolabs that were found in California. I'm also going to cover that as well. Uh, Breaking news. Looks like Hamas just released 11 more hostages from the New York Times. Hamas released 11 Israeli hostages, all women and children. Taken from, I'm probably not going to pronounce this correctly, kibbutz near Oz. The fourth day of the ceasefire, according to the Israeli government, the new releases follow an initial release of 13 Israelis on Friday, 13 more late on Saturday, and 14 on Sunday. Some of those released are dual nationals. So we'll give you the latest on that. Uh, also, the left is bleeding Hispanic support, and they know it. They're also bleeding black support as well. But let's let's turn back, though, for a moment to. President Trump and where things were in November of 2019. I want you to think back to that for for just a, a moment. I remember the fall of 2019. Everything was looking good for Trump. It really was for reelection purposes. The Democrats were a mess. They were in a scramble. Bernie, America's mother-in-law, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, and Beto O'Rourke, I think he was running for president again. Probably Stacey Abrams, right? Was Beto was Beto in the race? You two, stop your little side chit chats and pay attention to the show, please. Yeah, uh, Beto did run. Yeah, Beto Beto ran. Yeah, and he didn't win. He never wins anything. He I'm just checking. Twice. He's not president, right? <laughs> no, he wasn't a, a senator from Texas either. He he just loses every race, much who, like uh, Stacey. Who else was in the race for the Democrat nominee back then? Do you remember? In 2020? Yeah. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, our favorite. Tulsi Gabbard, back Kamala before Harris. back before she saw the light. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Um, Joe Biden, obviously. Bernie, Joe Biden, um, America's mother-in-law. <laughs> um, and then I feel like, they, like, Swalwell, did he run? He did for, like, two seconds. Five seconds, yeah, right? he was the first one to drop out. So in November of oh, 20... Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. Williamson? Yes. Oh, one? Marianne Williamson. And you know what? There's no way, a, y- There's no way a Yang was going to win that race. No chance. So, <laughs> And Marianne Williamson, who's running again. All right. But uh, for Trump, I mean, everything was looking great. And as we headed into January of 2020, the Super Bowl was going on. Who played in the Super Bowl of 2020? Do you remember? Henry? Uh, I want to say it was, what, the Bengals and the, was it the... wasn't the Eagles, though. We were 2019, right? It was the Bengals. No. the Chiefs. Oh, it was Niners, Chiefs. Niners, no. Chiefs. No. Well, no. Hey, why don't you just Google it? February 2020. Duck, duck, go it. Niners, Chiefs. Niners, Chiefs. 2020. Huh. Trump ran a commercial during the Super Bowl. A very triumphant political ad. If you remember that ad that ran, and it's not often that presidential candidates run ads during a Super Bowl, but it was a big deal that Trump ran an ad. And he also did a halftime interview with whoever the station was that was hosting the game. I guess it was CBS, I think. So he sat down with whoever that person was and did a halftime interview, which is customary at the Super Bowl for the president to do a halftime interview. 
He was flying high. I mean, he, he was flying high. And as, as we turned into 2020, he was flying high. But go back to November of 2019. Like I said, this time in 2019 in Wuhan, China, there were reports of a mysterious respiratory virus. And those reports of a mysterious respiratory virus in Wuhan, China, in the fall of 2019, were quickly covered up by the government of China and our own government. Because the bureaucrats at NIH and the bureaucrats at the National Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Fauci shop, they knew that they paid for this thing. But the problem is that the virus was already out of the lab. Frankenstein's monster broke out. And there was nothing to be done at that point except watch it spread. So they created this super coronavirus pandemic in a lab. Remember, the strain we're dealing with now is not the original Wuhan strain. That strain was killer, really was. And the Chinese military was behind it. The timing of this was also suspicious because it was the military world game. So a lot of Americans were over in China for the military world game. So I've always believed that the Chinese military did this on purpose. And they wanted Trump gone because Trump was tough on China economically with tariffs. And he was cracking down on China. See, this president is corrupted by China. They have all, they know where all the bodies are buried. They got all the receipts, as they say, and they know all about Joe Biden's corruption. So Joe Biden is not going to give China a hard time about anything. Trump was. In January of 2020, or late January, early February, just as we're all watching the Super Bowl and we see Trump's ad and he's looking like he's high, flying high, we're getting reports of this coronavirus spreading around the world and starting in really in Milan, Italy, where they had a very large Chinese population of migrant workers there in Milano, Italy. Never been. Never been to Milan. Still my favorite city in Florence is in Italy is still Florence, Firenze. But I one day would like to get up to the north of Italy and see Milano. But that's it was ground zero for that. And then we had a travel ban. We knew it was going to come here eventually. And, you know, there you go. This uh, respiratory virus in China, this pneumonia that's going on, that's happening right now, same timeline as COVID. You know, it, you, you look at, did I think, do I think the Chinese government wanted to stop Donald Trump by unleashing a global pandemic? Uh, yeah, I do. I 100% think that. I absolutely, and if the Chinese kill, what, I don't know, a couple million of their own people, they have a population problem. They don't care. They have a long history of communists killing people. There's a long history of communist dictators killing their own citizens. We, we know that. So do I think it's possible that China took this gain-of-function research, integrated it with the military, and then unleashed it as a bioweapon against the United States of America for the purposes of hurting Donald Trump? Yeah, I do. I think it's absolutely something that should be explored. No question about it. Remember, though, in March of 2020, I was the guy telling you this thing came from a lab. And I would say it every day, even though it was politically incorrect to do so. I'd say it anyway. I don't care. Obviously, I don't care if it's politically correct or not. So the point is that when you think about that and when you really hone in on that and now you see what's happening with this mysterious pneumonia spreading through China, you just have to wonder. You just have to wonder if it will be an issue for us in the election year of 2024. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you want to weigh in. You know, for years I've been telling you about my friends Stephanie and Matt at Evans Roofing and Siding, the entire team. Oh, by the way, 20% off all Zioli Army hoodies today and all the hoodies for all the shows on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD at our store for our Cyber Monday event. 
Just go to 1210WPHT.com. You can get your Zioli Army hoodie in Kelly Green or Blue, and it's going to look great on you. Different sizes. Kale & Company merch, Dom Time, Krasner Land. It's all there for you. So if you've been bugging me about getting a Zioli Army hoodie, this is your chance and 20% off today. 1210WPHT.com. Do it now. But the team at Emmons Roofing and Siding, they do great work, and they're doing more projects for me at my new home. But really, the house that we just moved out of, for six years, Emmons took care of everything from the new roof, windows, doors, siding, and then kitchen and bathroom remodeling. We took advantage of all of it. And I highly recommend you do the same thing because Emmons is your one-stop shop for all of your home improvement needs. Matt and Stephanie pride themselves on great work. They serve our entire region, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Jersey Shore, and they will do a great job for you on time and on budget. So reach out to them today by going to emmonsroofing.com, E-M-M-O-N-S, emmonsroofing.com, or go to emmonsremodeling.com. And you can even visit their design showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, if you want to see it up close. I'm telling you, uh, the, the kitchen work, the bathroom work, and of course, the lifetime guarantee on the roof, Emmons does it all, emmonsroofing.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. You know what? This is the worst prep you've ever done for me in the history of prep, Matt DeSanctimonious. How so? Because you have a stupid story in here, which I imagine you meant for another show. Uh, what was it? Why frozen pizza is the best pizza. No, I thought that was a good article for you. I knew Reason. it was com. You off. Embrace debate. Peter Suderman. The best pizza isn't made in New York, Chicago, or New Haven. It's made in assembly lines. This is a disgrazia, as my people say. <laughs> disgrazia. You got to read the article and see why he comes to that conclusion. Why would I read an article? Well, that was what my fear was. What, that why would read? I ever read an article? What's that, Henry? His biggest fear was that you would start reading? No, he knows that that's never going to happen. Well, the best pizza in America is made by Red Baron, a catch-all mass market brand owned by the frozen food <laughs> mega corporation Schwann's. Red Baron makes frozen pizza with a variety of toppings and an array of styles from the Thin and crispy to classic crust to deep dish because big corporations don't judge if you prefer Chicago style. He's fond of the brick oven pepperoni. Red Baron tastes merely indifferent. 
The sauce is a little too spicy, a little too sweet without the lively burst of tomato flavor. The cheese and pepperoni have a salty, fatty, processed edge to them. The crust is a little too crispy and a little too brittle. Sounds delicious. After you pull a Red Baron pizza out of the oven and take your first slightly too hot bite, you are likely to react with a shrug and think, sure, not bad. Judge strictly on its culinary merits. Taste, texture, smell, visual appeal. Red Baron is vaguely competent at best. If you cook it properly, it can be reasonably enjoyable, especially in times of stress or exhaustion, but it is never memorable. (laughs) Oh, man, that's a wonderful review. (laughs) Red Baron. This was so what so what happened? This was voted as best pizza or no, something like that. He's just making the argument that since it's readily available, it is it is good, even though it's not the best pizza, perhaps, or even close. But from an economic and innov- innovation uh, standpoint, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you could just go to your your frozen food section and get yourself a delicious Red Baron pizza. It takes you two seconds. First of all, if I'm doing if I'm doing uh, frozen pizza, you know what I'm doing. What's that? I'm doing Elio's because it reminds me of my childhood. Delicious. Or I'm doing uh, pizza that I defrosted that I cooked and then froze. (laughs) Even better. And that's just it. I'll tell you the best pizza, frozen pizza that I've ever had. It's not even remotely close. It tastes like genuine restaurant style pizza and good restaurant style pizza. Cape Cod frozen pizza. Highly recommend it. And generally, I think frozen pizza is terrible. By pizza standards. By pizza standards. I don't think I've ever actually had a pizza that I didn't enjoy. All pizza is good. What about um, like Altoona pizza? What is that? It's when they put like, a, instead of mozzarella, they put a slice of cheddar cheese on it. All right, that sounds vile. <laughs> well, clam pizza. Pizza started as street food in Naples, Italy. From the earliest recorded observations, it was a flexible, forgettable food, an on-the-go bite for Lazzaroni. Or, a day, or day laborers. Because it was so adaptable, it, became, it was associated with a class of workers whose lives were unstructured and unplanned. Pizza was also associated with a kind of live-as-thou-wilt lifestyle freedom. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you distracted by on your own show? I, 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 I don't know. People are <laughs> texting me and... <laughs> What is this, a really divisive topic here now? Yeah, now people are weighing in on Twitter about this. Yeah, I figured it was going to get people fired up. Whenever you make the proclamation that Red Baron frozen pizza is the best pizza in the world, uh, people will have opinions. Yeah, Hube says uh, frozen pizza is a fugazi. I, I, tend, I tend to agree, although things have gotten better. Things have gotten better lately in terms of pizza because a lot of them now what they do is they use wood-fired pizza ovens to kind of cure the crust so to speak so it doesn't come out like absolute garbage but i'll tell you this rule about pizza and this is the rule that i have in in life pizza it's better to eat bad pizza than to not eat pizza at all can we agree on that point totally if you are out at night and you grab a late night pizza say wawa for example Is it going to blow your socks off? No. Is it still better than not eating pizza? A hundred and fifty percent, if that's the only thing open. There's no no other food like it. That's the thing. But as he goes on and he talks about the industrial production of pizza, which happened in New York, actually happened in 1951, when a couple opened an Italian restaurant in Minneapolis, pizza was still enough of an unknown that Rose Totino had to bake her bank 
loan officer a pizza in order to get funding approved. Guy didn't know what it was. The business expanded. In 1962, the company started making frozen pizzas in mass in a factory in St. Louis Park, Missouri, a short time drive from Minneapolis. By the early 1970s, their, ba- their brand, Totino's, was the best-selling frozen pizza in the country. A magazine ad picturing Rose advertised quality, variety, and innovation while touting such new products as pizza slices and microwave pizza. In 1974, think about this now. This woman starts this company and has, has, to, has to bake a pie for the bank guy to give her a loan. She sells the company in 1974 to Pillsbury for $20 million. That's crazy, especially for then. I'm telling you. The following year, Schwann's launched Red Baron, which will be marketed by a fleet of World War II-era stunt planes. By 2022, it will be the country's second most popular frozen pre- uh, frozen brand with more than 250 million in sales in the first four months of the year alone. There's a saying about pizza, pizza like sex, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Serious foodies and sexual progressives might disagree with some cause. Um, but it's an interesting analysis, though, of Americans eating habits. And I'll tell you something, and this says a lot about the economy, too. Pizza is peasant food. So when things get tight economically, Americans start to eat more pizza, which is good if you own a pizzeria. And you'll notice as things start to get economically crunched, people will buy more frozen pizza as well. So there you go. I'd have never had, yeah, New Orleans street pizza, best pizza in America. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I will tell you, though, that my pizza oven is not in yet. We are having some supply chain issues. And I'm sure that this new pneumonia, which is sweeping through China, is going to absolutely derail my dreams and my hopes here. But it's supposed to be on its way. Let me ask you, I'll ask you this question, Matt DeSanctimotis, Matt yeah. DeSanctitraitorous, regarding pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have pizza in Canada? How would I know? I've never been to Canada. I assume they do. I, 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 I went up to Canada when I was like nine. I believe I had pizza up there. You did. How was it? I don't remember. You don't remember? I was like, I was nine. Well, the reason why I'm asking is because I've heard that the bastard love child of Fidel Castro, Justin Trudeau, does not like pizza. No. (laughs) Shocker. Where did you, okay, there's so much to address here. One, the official stance of the Rich Zioli Show is, of course, that Justin Trudeau is the son of Pierre Trudeau and definitely not Fidel Castro. Allegedly. Just like frozen pizza is allegedly better than real pizza. (laughs) And two, where did you see that he doesn't? Like pizza. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sure. He doesn't like true, anything but. fun. He doesn't like anything fun. Exactly right. Justin Trudeau doesn't like anything fun. <laughs> uh, but he does like covering up for COVID. There was a lab in Winnipeg and the Trudeau government went to extraordinary lengths to try and hide what happened there. It was a major national security breach at Canada's top lab in Win- Winnipeg. An unprecedented uh, breach. And this is a big deal that nobody's talking about. I'll give you some details on that as well. I think that if you get to the bottom of this whole Vanity Fair article, you find out a lot of unacceptable outcomes. But you know what the lesson is? Bat is a terrible pizza topping. (laughs) I've had this conversation so many times regarding pizza toppings. And um, I know that some people like pineapple on their pizza. Ugh. Pineapple and pangolin is a great combination. Have you ever tried it? I have not. Don't judge it till you try it, gentlemen. Please. 
You think Red Baron offers that as a... In company? Wuhan, they do. Yeah. yeah, Bat Pizza. They have to cater to the market. Well, if you think about it, I mean, if, if uh, the virus did not come from a lab, if it came from a street vendor and pizza started as a street food in Naples, Italy, it makes sense that Bat would start as a street food in Wuhan, China. Am I right? A delicious wet market, yeah. Get your bat here! Hey, get your raccoon dog on a stick! <laughs> raccoon dog, raccoon dog, fresh raccoon dog, pangolin! Who wants some pangolin? But they walk around Naples, they'd be like, schools, yeah? I get a slice of the pizza, the working man, the peasants, the peasantry, the pesanavante, they walk around and they'd have their pizza. In Wuhan, I guess they walk around and have their, their raccoon dogs. <laughs> this is... Sensitive materials, including the plastic. So what, what's the bottom line takeaway? Frozen pizza, good, bad, yes, no? I think it's good, but perhaps not good when compared to a, a fresh pizza. Also, why is it called Red Baron? It just dawned on me. I'm not a historian, but isn't Red Baron a German fighter pilot yes. that was shooting down allied Uh It's probably a pro-Nazi pizza. Yeah, that's a uh, interesting I take. thought it was Snoopy on Halloween. Yeah, that's who I thought it was, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, think about the statement you're making when you buy it. Henry, better to have frozen pizza or no pizza at all? Oh, frozen pizza. Frozen pizza in a pinch is very, it's, it'll do. You see? It'll do. That's my point. Now, make, let me make it one final suggestion. Bake your own at home and then freeze it for later. Make extra dough. That's what I do. You'll thank me for this. See, I'm always trying to help you people. You know that? Oh, I appreciate it. I'm taking notes right now. Good. Very good. Don't buy frozen. And... Please, certain things don't belong on a pizza. Pineapple, bat, pangolin, raccoon dog, none of these things belong on a pizza. All right? <laughs> I don't care what you say, people. Would you rather have the raccoon top pizza or the pineapple top pizza? Probably go raccoon yeah, dog over pineapple. Too. Yeah, I'm wow. not offended by the notion of it <laughs> that I probably would do that. I mean, I know I know, I'm, you're going to rag on me for this, but I, I do like pineapple oh, pizza. No. Do you know the Wuhan special, which is raccoon dog Pangolin and bat all in one pie. It's like the shakaroni from Papa John's. <laughs> meat lovers. Yeah, it's the <laughs> wet market meat lovers. It's like the shakaroni. Extra cheese, extra pepperoni, extra bat, extra pangolin, extra raccoon dog. Vanity Fair obtained records indicating that the Royal Canadian Lab is probing whether sensitive lab materials, including plasmid DNA molecules, were sent to the Wuhan Institute of Virology as emergency after-hour shipments in a manner that circumvented the lab's official record system. Other records indicate that a number of foreign students assisting with research at the University of Manitoba were granted access to even the most restricted parts of the lab, despite not being eligible for full security clearances. They said the investigation is ongoing. National security criminal investigations are often complex, they say. But here's what happened. An opposition parties in parliament from conservatives to the far left demanded answers. The Trudeau government defied a House of Commons order to produce documents. Instead, it took the unprecedented step of suing the House Speaker to block disclosures claiming that national security was in jeopardy. It then dissolved parliament and called for new elections. This guy learned from the best, his dad. (laughs) Think about that. They tried to get to the bottom of Canada sending these, these viruses to China. Trudeau, because he's the bastard son of a dictator, a tyrant, Fidel Castro, turns around and dissolves the government and gets new elections, thereby vacating the order and forcing opposition parties to start again. 
I mean, that is some top-level cover-up right there. Have you ever heard this before? I have not, no. No. It's clear there were major national security breaches at the government's top-level lab in Winnipeg, and the Trudeau government has gone to extraordinary lengths to try and hide what happened, says Michael Chong, a prominent conservative lawmaker who himself was target of a disinformation campaign by the Chinese government. The Minister of Health's office wrote, all opposition parties, including the conservatives, have full and unredacted access to all documents pertaining to the Winnipeg lab. Now, to understand the extent of what the United States was behind here and what the Department of Energy was behind, I got to share you that piece of the story as well. This is a major, major explosive story from Vanity Fair about how we, we in the United States of America were warned. We knew what they were doing at the WIV. We knew the Chinese military was involved. And people fell asleep at the wheel. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Take a quick break. Coming right back. I'll give you the latest breaking news. Donald Trump issues subpoenas, which could destroy the government's case against him in January 6th. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right. So Donald Trump is trying a very interesting strategy with regards to his case that the government is obviously this political persecution against him. And I will share the details of that with you in the six o'clock hour. It's a great strategy that Trump is employing a great strategy. And I'm very, very happy that he's doing it. But there's something else, too, that I think you need to know about. And this is what I'm going to refresh your memory about at the top of the hour. And that is that the United States government is spying on anyone and everyone who went to the United States capital region on January 6, 2021, the high holy day of the left. I will make sure you hear that story as well. But don't forget something. There is a election coming up next year and there is a mail vote time bomb that keeps ticking so i talked to my buddy ray today ray polidoro he's from south jersey gloucester county he was fixing my appliances for me good man and we were chatting about this the republicans are still not embracing mail-in balloting pennsylvania's undated ballots might go to the supreme court again that's right this is something that you need to know about the 2024 election will probably be preceded by another flood of lawsuits over voting rules especially absentee ballots And keep an eye on Pennsylvania. Last week, a federal judge there ruled that timely mail ballots must be counted even if the voter neglected to write the date, as state law requires. This will ultimately probably go to the Supreme Court, which punted a similar case last year. The saga of Pennsylvania's undated ballots since the COVID pandemic is worth unspooling because it shows how litigation puts indeterminacy into the election system. State law is unambiguous in saying that absentee voters must fill out, must date, and must sign the declaration printed on such envelope. This requirement has gone to court repeatedly for three years with frustratingly inconclusive results. In 2020, Republican State Senate candidate Nicole Ziccarelli was poised to topple a Democrat incumbent who she led by four votes. Eventually, she lost by 69 after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ordered the tallying of some 300 undated mail ballots. These ballots were illegal. The law says they have to be dated or they're tossed. Four of the seven justices agree that such ballots were invalid under state statute. But the swing justice said the committee, given the circumstances, 
I would apply my interpretation only prospectively. The, the corruption in this mail ballot system by the courts saying that what is actually the law doesn't matter, doesn't even matter to anybody. A year later, the question was whether federal law overrides Pennsylvania's date mandate. A Republican judicial candidate, David Ritter, was up by 71 votes with about 250 undated mail ballots uncounted. Guess what happened? Mr. Ritter lost by five after the federal Third Circuit Court of Appeals ordered the extra ballots to be included, citing the Civil Rights Act. Specifically, the law says the right of any individual to vote cannot be denied based on a paperwork error that is not material in determining whether such an individual is qualified. You know how it's like uh, you go to bed, the Republicans winning, you wake up in the morning and you turn around and go, whoa, now he's losing? He lost. How does that happen? This is how it happens. And don't you tell me there's no corruption here. Do not tell me there is no corruption here because you know there is. I know there is, period. They literally just sit around and go, how many ballots do we need? And then they just show up. They magically show up out of thin air. And if you don't apply the law... If you don't follow the law, there's no way to keep that from happening. So you have this ticking time bomb coming and the presidential election is right around the corner. And the nightmare is that control of the White House or the U.S. Senate could be decided after Election Day by a Supreme Court opinion on missing dates on Pennsylvania ballots. This is why the legislature needs to step up and do something and judges need to stay the hell out of it. Fourth and final hour coming up with lots of breaking news. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.